Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Moody Booty. And let me explain that to you real quick. This is the show called Movie of the Year. That's Moody. It should be Modi. It should probably be Modi Bodhi, but I think Moody Booty sounds way better. Moody Body. We're, we're doing, we, it could be Moody Body. We're doing Best of the Year. That's Booty. Baby Baby. So that's, okay. <laughs> uh, girls, do you know any vowels that you'd like to try out? Woody Tooty. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it's come to this. We have done the mixtape. We have done Century of the Year. We've done Album of the Year. Congratulations to Fiona Apple. We have done Comedy of the Year. Congratulations to What We Do in the Shadows. And now it's time for TV drama, the only respectable art form. My name is Ryan, and I will be your host for this evening. With me as always, and I'm fucking serious, always is Mike. Mike, how are you still here? Yeah, you try to hang up Zoom, and I just... Dial back in. I'm on your baby <laughs> monitor, motherfucker. I'm always in your house virtually. You can't get rid of me. Uh, also, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad you're good. Also, with me is not enough is McKenna. Hey, I'm doing really well. You did not ask, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, no, I did not ask at all. But now we know McKenna's doing good. Also, here is Caitlin. I heard there was drama, and I'm here to live in it. I'm, good. I'm okay. I guess I'm okay. <laughs> That's a good pose. You, you backed out for the drama immediately. <laughs> Greg. Or did I feed into it? Greg, what is your catchphrase that revolves around the word drama? Ryan, I have an important announcement to make here live in front of everyone. I love drama. Are you TNT? <laughs> I am all about the dramas. This is a year where uh, several of the drama dramas were funnier than several of the comedies. And some of the comedies were were funnier than the dramas. Yeah, who knows what (laughs) anything is anymore. (laughs) That second one probably sounded too good. (laughs) And then, of course, the one, the only, Cassie. Hey, what's up? It is true. I am the one and only Cassie. I've made so. I've made it so. And that's She's the drama that I'm bringing. She's murdered all the other Cassies. <laughs> yeah. There is literally only one. And if you find another Cassie, let me know. <laughs> so because you killed them all, you now have the strength of a hundred Cassies, which is the strength mm-hmm. of roughly one normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's what I had to do, okay? It's not a name for strong people. Guys, we are going to, <laughs> we're going to eliminate seven Incredible shows tonight, so we can determine what is the single greatest TV drama of 2020. We've already kicked off eight shows. That was done uh, weeks ago, but now it's time to see what is the one. Before we get to that, though, I want to go around and talk to you guys about what you're pissed off about did not make the bracket, and I can tell by Mike's face, he's very prepared, so I'm going to go to him last. Uh, (laughs) Let's start with Greg. Greg, what's the drama that you can't believe was not on the bracket? Ryan... I cannot believe the good fight was not on this bracket. CBS All Access. Now, we once a year, we all watch two episodes of the good fight, <laughs> and we don't understand what's going Favorite on because that, that's not how you watch a show, but we do it, and then we go, man, probably should give this show a little bit more of a shot, and this year, it's not even on the bracket. I have no idea what this show is even about, and I've probably seen six total hours of it. <laughs> I've watched more of The Good Fight than I have uh, all series of Law & Order. 
put together. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm one of those people who went through a phase where I was just like mainlining Law and yeah. Order. Just, yeah, I just hook it up to my veins. It's the first binge show, right? Because at some point, long before streaming, TNT would be like, oh, what do you have, 36 hours free? Here you go, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't get it. It seems stupid to me. But the good fight, I cannot believe it's not on. It was a tradition for us to watch those two episodes while we were on our phone not paying attention. <laughs> and all around we say, I think I might start watching this show. And then a year goes by and you say the same thing. Also, it's shout out to the credits. Holiday. A bunch of stuff explodes and it looks really awesome. It's still probably the best credits of any show of all time. It's the Gallagher of opening credits. <laughs> McKenna, let's go to you. What was the drama that definitely needs to be on this bracket but it isn't? Uh, and I um, chose one that almost made the list. It was hovering around our list. And that is a show called Unorthodox. Um, that I thought was just really fantastic. It's about a extremely orthodox woman leaving the community shortly after getting married and escaping kind of the strict, rigid rules of her religion and life. I've heard a lot about the show. I haven't watched it. Is it a character piece or is it like tense and is it suspenseful? It's, it's got some very suspenseful moments. Um, it's not necessarily character driven though you do follow the main character throughout a story but it's definitely uh commentary on society on religion on feminism it's got a lot of multiple multiple areas working in this series based on how critics talked about it all year i was also surprised that it did not make the bracket i thought it was in for sure but i don't know didn't end up there cassie (laughs) did you watch any dramas that aren't on this bracket Ryan and I can't believe this drama didn't make it because like it's clearly a textbook drama like they're straight up like kids are murdered in this like it's dramatic as hell and I just can't believe that Stargirl didn't make it on this list (laughs) you can't you can't but you can't believe that I cannot believe it this had it had Joel McHale Greg like it had everything oh America's most dramatic actor (laughs) (laughs) The way he died on screen 10 seconds into it, like, was insane. It was so dramatic. I was not ready for it. But, um, I mean, it did get, it was darker than I expected. And it was, it was a CW show that I was very excited to talk about every week. So, uh, winner of multiple shishies on our other podcast, including best actor Luke Wilson. <laughs> way to go, boy. A phrase never been said before. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's the year of Luke Wilson. Um, I'm big thanks for this boy. I love Stargirl, uh, but not super shocked it didn't make the bracket. Caitlin, do you have a show that should be on here but is not? I am sad Cassie went first because mine was also Stargirl because I didn't know. We can talk more about Stargirl. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know about this until Cassie brought it up, and I had DCU and was like binging Stargirl just to watch this on that streaming service that no one else bought, and um, it was very good and possibly the best stepdad in all stepdad history. And Caitlin, was this the most important DC Comics-based TV show of your 2020? Um, yes, I would say Stargirl over Doom Patrol. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there, no, well, you, no, because there was Harley Quinn, too. I don't know. They were all fucking She's good, forgetting honestly. about the one. I think the one she's that she spent 170 hours <gasps> watching. Oh, Tom that Willing came out. put a restraining order on her. <laughs> it was the best one of 2020 because, you know, Smallville was 2001 to 2011, but so it was we'll, your 2020. It was my 2020, 100%. And if it could make it in the bracket, I would shove it straight in there and down everyone's throat because it's that good. <laughs> uh, and Mike, you cannot pick Smallville. 
what uh, drama do you think should have been in the bracket? Uh, I also maybe was going to say Stargirl. Uh, no, I'm surprised based on everything I've heard and how weird and heady it is that Raised by Wolves didn't even sniff our bracket. The Ridley Scott crazy sci-fi show. Oh, yeah, yeah that show's had, dope, dude. It had all the like it had all the people behind it, but the buzz went away fast. Yeah, I think it. I think it's one of those like pe- when people are like, "I like sci-fi," and then you watch that, and they're like, "Oh, I meant like I'm punching robots, not this crazy." Yeah, fucking, sci-fi I don't know what's hasn't going on sci-fi. Sci-fi hasn't been that weird recently. Yeah, that's a good show though. Every episode sounds like a season of another show. Like big, crazy, <laughs> dramatic things happen every single episode, and it's weird Honestly, as fuck. What's weird too is that opposite of TV. Or opposite of movies, rather. TV seems to like their sci-fi is uh, more fa- more fantasy than like futuristic. Like it's easier to get a fit. Fa- yeah. like, the Witcher, a show that seems awful in every way, is yeah. far more uh, popular than How something times like have changed, Raised by Wolves. Man. I know for reals. Because before, if you're like, there might be dragons and there's magic, people just hit you right in the stomach before you can finish your sentence. <laughs> Did they, Mike? That's how I grew up. I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> I'm sorry that's how your mom talked to you. So, guys, those are all great. Some of those are good shows. Uh, but what we have in the bracket is only great ones. So when we come back, we're going to start talking about them and tell one of them to get the fuck out of our life forever. Round one. Battle one. Getting released early to save us from the pandemic. ESPN's The Last Dance tells the story of the Bulls last year as the NBA's premier team because a dumbass general manager wanted more credit. But really, it tells the story of one Michael Jeffrey Jordan, a basketball player better than LeBron James. The show became a bit uh. of a phenomenon, the rare water cooler documentary. A few months into the pandemic, HBO and BBC teamed up to bring us I May Destroy You, an alternative name for a doc about Michael Jordan. This show, however, told the story of Arabella, played by Michaela Cole, a Londoner trying to put her life back together. I after think it's being- Londoner. A Londoner <laughs> trying to put her life back together after being drugged and raped on a night out. McKenna, we're going to start with you. I ask you this. Michael Jordan is allegedly the goat, but can you deny that Michaela is essentially Michael with an A? <laughs> I can't deny that. That's just a fact. And that extra A makes her the true goat of this bracket, in my opinion. So, <laughs> McKenna, are you a basketball fan? Uh, I've become one. I wouldn't call myself like a big fan, but I understand it more and I do watch it regularly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's go to let's go to Mike there. Are you a basketball fan? I am not. But that isn't to say this isn't a well put together documentary series about like a crazy cast of characters that these people all lived at the same time and were thrown on the same team. Yeah. Uh, all, some wild. of those were cartoon characters from the the Looney Tunes universe. <laughs> yeah. they, they lived, Greg. They lived. <laughs> the tunes who lived. Very real. So you thought that the drama Mike was worth, like it, it was able to carry you through a sports-filled show. It was the, 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 the... It seemed sometimes the documentarians were like, fuck it, let's just watch this game. And like the narration would go away. And I was like, no, no, please, no. I need, I need... <laughs> I, honestly, as a basketball fan, I felt the opposite. I felt like they did not focus enough on the back and forth of like the series. And instead they focused more on the interpersonal drama. Like the, the the one when it's like Larry Bird just talk about how great Michael was when he was like a year into the league and he's uh-huh. just like, Oh, 
you could just see how great like that I love and they were talking about the series and like and, and the, the drama of the ups and downs even though Boston won every time they're like but we almost didn't like uh-huh. I was like oh man I get it if this was like ingrained in me this would be crazy but I would love a last dance drama and just watching these people act I would think pull because I love Friday Night Lights and I don't know any of the rules of football I think that would pull me in way more you don't There's know if, you moments. can't name a single rule of football get a touchdown Good job. McKenna, did That's you think not that, a rule. <laughs> did you th- rule? McKenna, do you think the balance of basketball and drama, of love and basketball, was appropriate? Of love and basketball. I actually thought it, it did well to not focus too much on the games themselves or, or you know the leads or even the individual players' certain tactics during each game and strategies. We got touches of how, you know, Dennis Rodman would spend hours shooting a ball at different angles to see how it spun off and how he could catch the rebound. Hell but yeah. we didn't like hone in on those moments too much. We did go back out and see all the drama of the moments. I thought it had a great balance of that. Greg's a big rebound fan and I love that. <laughs> no, well, be, uh, okay, I think that like they did a good job of encapsulating like it takes all different types of players with all different types of skills to make up a, a team and that's what's so interesting really is because you ha- you need like basically 10 to 12 guys who all have different things that they bring. And so hi- like him just like f- talking for 2 hours fast forwarded about all the different types of rebounds he's done. I thought it was like a kind of cool, like nuts and bolts basketball moment. Caitlin, is it shocking to you that an eight part doc series is in the TV drama bracket? I thought it was super shocking, but, and then I watched it and then I was like, oh shit, I want to see what happens to Dennis Rodman while he's in Las Vegas. What? <laughs> Carmen Electra's here? <laughs> yes. It fucking got me. And I was like, okay, yes, it does belong in dramas because I am hooked and I'm here. And uh, I didn't think I was going to like it at all because I cannot stand basketball. What? For no for no reason. Can I ask you I this? I have to have a vendetta against sport. And that's the sport <laughs> I chose. <laughs> is, it, is it the squeaky shoes? I find so many people who hate basketball. It's yes. because the shoes squeak. It's the squeaky shoes and then yep, the but you the love High School looks. Musical and half their songs are filled with squeaky shoes. <laughs> it's to uh, a beat though. Yeah. <laughs> but Kenna, those That's are called like actresses. Basically, get your head in the game. <laughs> yeah, get your, get your head in the game. I kept saying that during it, but man, it was it was it got me. I was super pulled into this show and I was not expecting it. And I feel like I learned a lot more about Michael Jordan and the tragedy of his like family life that I didn't know and that like made him the person he is. And he cried when someone said he was mean. And that was kind of funny <laughs> to watch too. And of anybody who shouldn't cry for fear of internet retaliation, it's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. <laughs> Cassie, this is going up against I May Destroy You. What did the show did the show destroy you? How did how did the show how did you take the show? Oh it was yeah, it did destroy me. Because the first one, what was the most sad was they give you this girl and they introduce you to this girl who's like an absolute ball of light and like a joy to be around so much fun and then you literally watch her try to piece her life together after this event and like if we could have just dove into the drama instead they gave me a little bit of hope at the beginning of like this is just a fun show to watch look at these friends just having fun and then it took a turn and you get to see her have to try to pick her life back up was devastating was I, mean, I would say roughly half of every episode is a comedic rump and a delight mm-hmm. and a celebration mm-hmm. of human beings which is usually stuff like this the material like this is played for as many dark sad tears as you can and yeah. the realism all of the aspects of life coming in here uh is something that i really haven't seen before and made it hit harder than and if I- like 
dark tonal music came in throughout the whole thing. You need that juxtaposition, sorry, to uh, bring the brilliance of how broken she is in those later halves. Like, if you don't have that juxtaposition of the bright comedy, funny, ball of light moments, you don't see the devastating reality of what happens in this show. And she's such a singular personality. She's such... She's so her. Like, she's so Michaela, and she's so Arabella, and the... the show would be different if it was anybody else behind it, but it's just so her that that's a lot of what carries it too. Sorry, Greg, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that um, I was listening to the Lolita podcast recently, Jamie Loftus's podcast. And it, 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 what it's really about is like sexual assault survivors. And um, what somebody said on it recently that was really interesting was that like your life doesn't necessarily fall apart. A lot of survivors, their lives don't necessarily fall apart. They kind of just, limp on like like w- deeply wounded but kind of still going through the motions of life and still like it, having a day-to-day and th- that's what this is about like somebody who just kind of keeps moving forward keeps falling forward even though she's so damaged by what has happened to her and in real life you don't get that tv show moment of like having your assaulter in an alleyway and you've got a weapon and you get to like get revenge you know and there's an episode uh-huh. in the show where you think it does go down that route like as like even though this is sort of betraying what I think the show is, I'm so glad to watch revenge happen. But yeah. of course, the the show twists it too. Uh, Mike, what are you what are you feeling right now? We're not going to a vote yet, but is this a stupid vote? Yeah, uh, good job, Last Dance. You made it here. You shocked the world by having a documentary series make the drama. Like I had my my boss. We were like at a work happy hour forever ago, and asked if I'd watch it, and I've only my parents have looked at me so disappointed when he found out I had not watched it. <laughs> uh, this it, it, what like it's so rare to have that water cooler moment. I, I can't think of it. I, only Tiger King, I guess, like shook the world the way. An equally good show. The Last Dance did. Equally talented people, I think. Uh, but it. So it's important just for that. But I think it it, it is lesser than what is it up against. But Kenna, let's just compare lead roles. Like, is there anybody that could go up against Michael Jordan other than Michaela Cole? Like, isn't this such a rough draw for The Last Dance? It is a rough draw because I do think, especially as far as documentary series goes, like, this is just exceptional and it's fantastic. Um, But I I do think it's an automatic loss just because he's going up against Michaela and how brilliant that is. I do want to say, though, like, The Last Dance... Uh, Both these shows handle, like, time jumps and jumps in times. I think The Last Dance, as far as the docuseries, probably does that the best jumping in time and interweaving multiple time periods so well for a docuseries. And I thought that was fantastic. See, I got confused. Oh, really? Same. I did too. That was what hurt it for me. Every time the meter like shot past or like back through time, I was like, wait, hold on. Where the fuck are we right now? I I just had, I had to look at Rodman's hair in order to like, (laughs) (laughs) it's purple. Okay. (laughs) I think in part you're supposed to, that's supposed to be at least, at least part of the experience that it's a little bit disorienting because you know it's it's what it did a good job of was it connected the two time periods by theme rather than by mm-hmm. by just mm-hmm. time yeah. and it so that rendered that a different level of meaning yeah it mythologizes it more like you don't yeah. know how oh, hercules yeah. was versus in all his labors and it kind of did that like this is michael jordan he's a singular entity and the bulls are and this is what they did. It doesn't really matter when they did it. Are you talking about the bulls are? Who knows what bulls are? Yeah, the bulls are. He knows what bulls are. Cassie. We got to do this. 
We got to vote. It's time. It's time. I may destroy you or the last dance. I mean, it's like sports did a really good job. I do enjoy sports drama and team drama, but like it did good. I'm going to vote for I may destroy you. Mike. Yeah, I may destroy you. Greg. Good job, everybody. Acting like I may destroy you isn't just going to take down this whole thing. But I always, I will be the person to rip the curtain aside. I may destroy you is clearly moving on. Greg is the guy who, when you're watching the last dance and don't have a ton of basketball history, runs in and says, "Bulls won three in a row. They win this championship." <laughs> McKenna. Oh, it's I may destroy you. Yes, I may destroy you is definitely moving on to the next round. When we come back, we're going to give out an award for best supporting actress. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music Check them out. Our first award tonight is for Best Supporting Actress. And I'm going to say right now that the nominees, uh, all of the voting was insane. Just absolutely batshit insane. But the most insane thing, and I don't know, like this is not something that everybody else gets to do, but I'm going to do it right now. Rhea Seahorn from Better Call Saul was not nominated. And the only way that I'm going to be able to fix this shit is everyone on this show, from here on out, is fired. You will all be replaced by Rhea Seahorn, and we will only, from here on out, every Pop Filter podcast for the rest of time will be me and Rhea Seahorn talking about how beautiful and talented she is. <laughs> Guys, it's, it's very crazy that the winner of this award is not even nominated. There's, I agree. There, this first round of TV dramas, there's a battle of Bruin, uh, and... Friendships will not recover from what happens <laughs> with this battle. I love it. I love podcasting when friendships are on the line. The, most iconic, <laughs> the most iconic high pony in all of 2020 drama is now gone. Right now, we're going to uh, do Best Supporting Actresses that were nominated. And Greg, the first yes. nominee is Rose Byrne from Mrs. America. Rose Byrne from Mrs. America. Which one is she, Ryan? <laughs> she had the big glasses. Uh, she was uh, the... You know, the one Gloria who... Steinfeld. Yeah, there Steinman. we go. Oh, yeah, of Steinman. course. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, she's very good in this. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had forgotten that she was in it. I spent most of the time looking at the way she put like her hair inside her glasses. glasses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I guess that was a Gloria Steinem move for So method. She went with that, too. But yeah, probably not a good sign that I was like, who? What? <laughs> yeah. So what we know is that Rhea Seahorn is not going to win and Rose Byrne is not going to win. Your next nominee... <laughs> Mike, your next nominee is Mario Heller from The Queen's Gambit. This is the mom, right? Yes. Guys, do some research. Uh, yes. This there, is... There's a thousand names in my head, man. <laughs> this is the... Yeah. 
This is the foster mom, not the mom from the flashbacks, but the foster mom. No, yeah, no, the the, the good actress. Uh, Yeah, she she did not have a lot of screen time, but the she used it, man. It was never showing scenery, but she used that scenery to the the way she did put upon housewife into. I'm gonna put all the freedom I wish I had into my new daughter. Like also, it was a beautiful relationship. Almost sort of teaching her how to be a functional addict. Yeah, totally. (laughs) That's how she spent the relationship, and it kind of worked. The show, the show. I wish we could all be that kind of functioning addict. The show doesn't do a lot of judging addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. It kind of just displays it without judging it. Yeah, which, which is she why it's my number people. one show of the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, she's a filmmaker. She makes movies. She made the uh, the Tom Hanks, uh, Mister Rogers movie, and she made uh, she made uh, the Secret Diary of a Teenage Girl, and she's married to a member of the Lonely Island. And she's what? an incredible actress. <laughs> yes. What? what? Absolutely. Mariel Heller. That sounded like you just did two truths and a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that, is cr- <laughs> that is crazy. That last one especially. Caitlin, the next nominee is Moses Ingram, also from The Queen's Gambit. This is uh, Anna Taylor-Joy's roommate slash best friend. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. She, so she's the one who introduces uh, the main character to Pills. And she is like, <laughs> she, my girl, this is like homegirl in the orphanage. Showed her the ropes of everything, how to live. And then it comes back in the very end. And I love this character. The moment we stopped seeing her, I was like, I cannot wait for her to come back. I hope she comes back. And then she came back in. And she's like this changed person and helps the main character. Who I can't remember her name right now. Um, really Beth. like <laughs> Queen's Gambit. Beth, yeah. The Queen <laughs> herself. Queen. Uh really helps Beth and like um like become a better person. And I think she's just an amazing actress. With a show that doesn't have a lot of soapy moments, uh the la- second to last episode, the penultimate, if you will, uh ends with her at Beth's doorstop. You know, like she knocks on the door. And that was one of the only times in the show where I was like, Oh shit, I want to watch the next episode. Yeah. yeah, she was great, and I feel like she there that changed the whole feel of the the last two episodes. Her, having her on there, and like, um, yeah, I, I loved her as a character, and her acting was fantastic. And didn't d- need like a makeup or a different actress to play. No, you know, she was a kid in the beginning and an adult in the end. McKenna, I the next nominee. Was- <clears throat> McKenna, the next nominee <laughs> is actually it's a uh, a rare. Uh, nominee from a uh, TV show that is not in the bracket. It's from Lovecraft Country. It's Wenmi Mosaku, who plays Journey Smollett's sister in the show. I I have heard only good things about this actress in this show. Um, Mike, you want to take this one? <laughs> she is great, dude. It, it, she's one of those supporting actors that makes you wish she was the main character. Like her her struggle, like they deal with colorism. Like everybody's more of a fan of her lighter skinned sister even though like how much she could get so big if she wanted to to the amount of emotions and she did it all so small and and real which made it hit even more than if she just tore that stage around her cassie the final nominee and maybe you want to share this one with mckenna is uh waruche opia the best friend from i may destroy you oh wow she this she was super amazing because like the she has a l- the ability to tell a lot, like just through a look, and to see her face break when like sh- 
her friend like trying to realize that like her friend's not okay and like just it would see the side of her face and like all those scenes and know that she's holding so much back like her own drama too it was incredible to watch her she is an amazing supporting actress i think it's really tough too because she has to play next to someone so talented and shine in her own way and her character is not written to be that same ball of light element that Michaela's was and uh she shines and just is even on the um stage or screen if you will uh as Michaela throughout her performance and has her own thing to deal with too like her main job is to be supportive of her best friend and then she also has a scene where she has to talk to uh, an ex-friend who may have some sort of responsibility with what happened to Michaela, but then also is involved in a threesome that she thinks is kismet, but probably start, it probably was not. And what does that mean? Like how, how you know how uh, fucked up is that 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 happened to her? You know. And then at this also another level of feeling her own personal guilt and that's what's so good about this show is that the way everything is so is structured so that everybody's a little bit guilty everybody's a little bit of a victim um and you know she like basically says you know leave leave her that night and that like sort of she always bears the responsibility for that and you see that in every scene yeah i mean it doesn't compare to what happened to Michaela or Arabella, but still, she's not sleeping at night either because of this thing that was taken from Arabella. All right, so your nominees are Rose Byrne from Miss America, Mariel Heller from The Queen's Gambit, Moses Ingram from The Queen's Gambit, Wenbi Masaku from Lovecraft Country, and Weruche Opia from I May Destroy You. Caitlin, who's taking this down? Oh, man. I think it's... I'm going for Moises. Moses. Okay. It's Weruche Opia from I May Destroy You, the most supportive of supporting actresses, actually wins the award. That's what I would have guessed, Ryan. If you had asked, if you had thrown to me, that's what I would have guessed. <laughs> I think this is setting up a trend. That's is it? Last through the rest of the night. <laughs> Maybe. I May Destroy You has won two for two battles. And let's see. Next battle is Mrs. America versus P Valley. I'm just going to guess I May Destroy You is the winner. <laughs> takes it down. When we come back, it's that thing I just said. If only we could tell Phyllis Shafley she was up against the women of P-Valley. Our fifth seed tonight is Mrs. America, an FX miniseries starring world's greatest actress Kate Blanchett as anti-feminist leader Shafley. But the show turns out to be much more of an ensemble piece, with different episodes dedicated to different characters played by Rose Byrne, Elizabeth Banks, Uzo Aduba, and more. Our 13th seed takes place in the delta of, and if I'm reading this correctly, M-I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, humpback, humpback, I, otherwise known as the Pussy Valley. P-Valley tells the story of a struggling strip club as they team up to save their clubhouse from the big bad rich men. Think of it as goonies with titties. Mike, we're going to you. Mike, I ask you this. Who does their thing better? The awards-grabbing prestige of the ladies and Mrs. America or the down and dirty soapiness of the ladies from the pink. Mrs. America is a really good show. <laughs> that gosh darn it, isn't it doing that drama you've come to know and expect and love so well? All right, and let's start. Let's start with P Valley, Mike. Why is P Valley uh so P Valley? P Valley is so P Valley because not only is it a window into just a part of the country we don't get. To, There's not a lot of shows about it, so it feels new, even if it's the kind of soap you're used to. But to hone in 
the part of the country and the kind of people that TV often doesn't let just be fully fledged. Here's why they're great. Here's why they're flawed people. It's a fucking awesome show. And maybe this specific group of people, we just happen to love soap opera and it does it so well to do soapiness, this prestige style. It's great. I could definitely see a show called the Pooh CD where we just talk about P Valley. <laughs> <laughs> McKenna is Mike wrong. Is this, is this soap done well or is this soap done poorly? He's not wrong at all. This soap is done brilliantly. I absolutely loved watching P-Valley. Every single moment, I just was so sucked in. And uh, there were moments where it, it's one of the few dramas where I'm not tempted to pick up my phone and just scroll through or get distracted because it, it keeps you at a certain level throughout and consistently. To get all the shows watched like in time to for to do these podcasts i'm just like at at this time of year just watching tv nonstop, and i was trying to watch p valley while cooking dinner and i thought i was gonna cut my freaking finger off because it's not not a very easy show to like be doing something else that like occupies your attention while it is on at the same time and that's something that mrs america i think the whole time you're watching it you're like i should be liking this more like this is mm-hmm. you could definitely cook dinner while watching yeah. Mrs. America. <laughs> In fact, yeah. to watch Mrs. America, Greg put on his heels and his apron <laughs> and cooked dinner while watching Mrs. America. It's, it's, it's hard because Mrs. America isn't a flawed show. It it is everybody's playing to the top of their game, but it's just this is when you think of drama. This is exactly like it really does feel like a computer's like, do you need it's prestige drama? Formulaic <laughs> almost in what you're going to get, even though it's trapped in its own story. It felt a couple of episodes too long to me. Mm. My wife and I kept thinking that we had finished it and we're like, oh man, there's actually, it's, we don't even just have like one left. There's like a couple left and that's oh, a bad sign. You yeah. know, <laughs> the best feeling in the world is thinking that you have two episodes left and you actually just watch the last one. And you're like, I'm free. That's it. <laughs> I'm done. But to know, to never know when it's going to be over and have too many, like two more episodes after that is terrible. Cassie, do you think that Mrs. America was too paint by numbers? Yeah, it was. And it's crazy that it has like, you know, all these big names in it. And I feel like that was a big draw to it. And even that, like there is great acting in in it, but like it just still just can't save it to bring you like it's it can't be as intriguing as P-Valley. Like there's just so many amazing characters in the other one and they Do all we, somehow. Is there any actor that's like, it's like famous from P-Valley? Like nothing no. I know of <laughs> now. Now they all are. Yeah. But, uh, or they they are at least on this podcast, but no, like there's no above the uh, above the title name from. P-Valley. Yeah. Oh, you know what? The guy who got fired from Grey's Anatomy for all of his homophobic slurs. Okay. That guy is that guy is the that guy's the rich uncle who tries to buy the the strip club. Oh. Is that McDreamy or McSteamy? That's no, all it, I know it's, about. It's, it's no Mick anything, but that's the only name actor from any of it. Caitlin. Yes. P-Valley, was it too much for you or not enough for you? No, actually, so I I feel like I'm the prude of the group here. And watching P-Valley, I was totally fine with it. Yeah, that's how we all feel. Okay, follow prude flag. It's waving proudly. But no, I watched this, and all I saw was very talented actors and and people who could dance. And um, especially the pole dancing in this is incredible. Dude, I was like... A good pole dancer is so impressive. 
Mm-hmm. And the way that they filmed it as well, where they would take out the music when the girls got to the top of the pole or something, and you just like hear them breathing and stuff. I was like, oh my god! Yeah, like, you that was, got me. I was like, there was Ooh. a scene where like uh, somebody got to the top of the pole and like all the uh, sound dropped out, and I like I didn't know if she was gonna get vertigo. Yeah, I thought she was gonna, oh, thought she was gonna yeah. just drop on that. Her is head. wild hearts can't be broken right before <laughs> she goes blind. Kind of sound. Play. I think it's really impressive that they did have this many sexual scenes and moments and it never once felt like you were watching like porn or something dirty it always yeah. felt no. like a drama it never because the felt- girls are in charge like the whole like all the writers all the directors they're all girls so like they they choose what to show and when to show it you know like and and the strippers the actresses they're in charge it's it, it feels i could not believe how unexploitative this felt mm-hmm. the entire time it really it is powerful. It's, it's shot yeah it's shot as if the club is a workplace like yeah. the, mm-hmm. and, and it really it really comes across and it every you know the the actresses are all very attractive but it's there is a lack of real sexualization in most of it it just does feel like they go in and they clock in and it's like a little mm-hmm. the crazy thing is after the first couple episodes you realize wait a minute this like show has a ton of heart like yeah <laughs> these sure. characters all care about each other at first it feels like this club is a nightmare but then as soon as they're about to lose it they all like close ranks to protect it it's just like it's well, it's their little corner of hell how is it uncle charles how uncle charles clifford. deals with uh, uncle clifford how he deals with the women like he, that's such a fascinating boss character because at times monster and other times yeah. it's like oh you are keeping them all together and keeping them alive in this town that is dying and just that kind of thing of like that's where the heart can really lie and it's interesting to dig into well just like a matriarch of anything you know, like, uh, she has, like, she makes some decisions that are cold, and she makes some decisions that are, uh, sort, like, sort of selfish, you know, like, for her own gains only. But ultimately, this whole place falls apart if she is not holding everything together. Mm-hmm. We'll probably get back to her in a second. Um, guys, I think it's time. Mrs. America was, it's inarguably a good show, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You can't deny it, but. I think everybody's playing it, like, other than, uh, Oh crap! Who plays Phyllis? Who's the best actress in Kate Blanchett? Kate, Kate Blanchett. Blanchett. Everybody else is just because it's hard for her to top her top. Everybody else is the best. Uh, Rose Byrne is so good. I thought she was Julian Moore the whole first episode. Oh yeah, like oh, everybody's yeah. doing so well. Watch it if you have time. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I love how that's the bar of acting is that if I think that you're Julian Moore, you're doing a really good job at acting. <laughs> yeah, I love Julian Moore, man. Did you guys? Have you guys ever played the video game Borderlands? Yeah. No. Refuse. There's a, is fun. there's a movie coming out and Kate Blanchett signed on to it. So What? She's getting crazy in her this point in her career. She's a I do what I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caitlin, here we go. Yes. P Valley or Mrs. America. I think McKenna hit it on the head when there's one of these shows that you can definitely scroll on your phone and do basically anything else while watching it and probably still get the whole gist of it. And then there's one that you just get sucked into and you feel all these things. So it's obviously going to be P-Valley. It, it's the most drama of a drama. It's, it's a drama. <laughs> <laughs> Certified drama. Hard Certified, agree. I said it. <laughs> Cassie, you don't have to say all of that. You can just say your vote. Uh, ditto, <laughs> second. Exactly what she said. <laughs> Mike, what do you think? When drama's a drama, it's got to be P-Valley. <laughs> Man, I thought this was such a slam dunk before I watched these two shows. Yeah, right? same here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kate Blanchett, right? And no, man, watch them. Greg, where are we going? 
Uh, yeah, it's P Valley and not like not just barely, like by a lot. It feels like mm-hmm. watching the two shows, it feels like P Valley's the five seed and Mrs. America's the thirteen seed. We can't help what do you think. Oh, it's definitely P Valley. And now looking at it, it's crazy to consider that P Valley could have been one cut before we even got here. And I yeah, never I know. watched it. And I'm so glad it made it because it takes my vote. Absolutely. That's two clean sweeps so far. Both shows moved on, but eventually these two shows are going to have to face each other. We'll find out what happens yeah. with that later. But coming up next, Best Supporting Actor. Cassie, you're the queen of segues and transitions, so how about this shit? Mm-hmm. P-Valley just won. P-Valley, I'll talk about right now after starting this segment. <laughs> oh, chills. Come on, you right? You can't see Ryan? Chills on my skin. That was, that was flawless. Cassie, our first... Our first nominee for Best Supporting Actor is Nico Anon from P-Valley. That's Uncle Clifford. Uncle Cl- okay. It's insane. Like, it's insane that he's considered supporting because, like, when he's on the screen, it's just, like, steals it. The way that, like, he plays this supportive character who, like, we were talking about, like, there's this, like, juxtaposition between him where, like, or her in the role is like she's a piece of shit but like you love her so much and it's like the way that she balances that is insane to watch it's so good and they're they're just so real it's i don't know it's hard to explain that one i sort of knew what i was getting into with p valley with the introduction of uncle clifford because she was in a doorway and in yes. complete silhouette. Yes. And there was like smoke <laughs> in the alleyway. And I was like, I fucking love this show. <laughs> <laughs> show me who this person is so I can worship her. <laughs> she like flicks away her cigarette or lights it. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> and what what is in her hands, which looks like contraband or something, is fucking wings for the cop. I'm yeah. just going to give yeah. you <laughs> ca- cash and wings, baby. Here's what you get. Yeah. Greg. The Yarr. next somebody for Best Supporting Actor is actually from Better Call Saul. We got one in, bro. It's Woo. Tony Dalton. Tony Dalton. He's oh, the man. villain. Yes. Okay. Uh, like It feels like between um, Breaking Bad and the couple first couple seasons of Better Call Saul, they must have come up with all the cool types of characters. This the Tony Dalton, this, his character is so creepy because most of the time he just seems very happy and very the like smile excited. like yeah he's always smiling but it, when it comes time to do a little bit of the killing or a little bit of the torturing it that doesn't bother him either and he's not chaotic that's not quite right because there are chaotic characters on this show he's very um logical but mm-hmm. when the time for violence or terror has come he's like fine doing that too and he He's honestly it's probably scarier than Gus Fring is on this oh, show. For he sure. might be the scariest person, except for maybe fucking Todd. Um, like from the oh, because f- from Breaking Bad. Yeah, sorry, because Gus Fring has too much composure. Right, yeah. where he 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 has enough chaos in him that he it's not he doesn't revel in murder enough that he goes off the rails. He's mostly composed, but once he's like, it's time to do that, then he's like, well. Daddy's going to play. Yeah, well, <laughs> you might as well enjoy it, right? At, at this point, Giancarlo Esposito was not going to get nominated for anything because he plays the same character in all eight of our shows in the bracket, right? Like, Ryan, how dare you? He He's not and here. And not always good. No, I mean, he sweeps into, uh, like, the guy, Gus Fring is basically in The Mandalorian, right? And then he, <laughs> he sweeps into I May Destroy You, says to, <laughs> to Arabella, you're not handling rape well, and then just disappears again. Like, he's in all of these shows, but Tony Dalton is the fucking scary one. 
That's yeah. the one that freaks me out. Caitlin. Yes. David Diggs is the next nominee from The Good Lord Bird. Yes. And he... Okay, so... I saw him in Hamilton, too, and he just brings this light to him whenever he is on the screen. Um, And it's so crazy how he can command it all. And, yeah, he did really – I really enjoyed the way that he, like, pulled everything. And The Good Lord Bird is funny how it's so dark in its comedy, and then the whole uh, aspect of it is just – it's it's a dark subject, but then he brings this kind of light to it. So Yeah, um, but – He's also an asshole. What do we think about these yeah. like heralded? I think it's uh, really interesting. historical things or people that are also kind of dicks. Yeah, it's really interesting to have a character like Frederick Douglass in an abolitionist movie and have him not be the like the hero, the, the hero, the moral <laughs> the, center of the, the entire yeah, the universe. one you're like yeah. rooting for. <laughs> um, but I do think Davy Diggs carries that role very well. Yeah, you know, uh, part of what's so good about the show, and we'll, we'll get to talk about it, is that it doesn't put anybody up on a pedestal. Maybe Harriet Tubman, but besides that, everybody else is deeply flawed. And I, I don't know, it was an, it's an experience to see a deeply flawed Frederick Douglass. It's not the most comfortable thing. He's, he's just a it's drunk black history horn month, dog. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next nominee, McKenna. This is for you. It's uh, Papa Esadiu. From I May Destroy You, this is the best friend that is a male. Oh, this, in the the first, like, three episodes, um, you feel like he's going to be the bounce off of, like, kind of positivity and support. And then you watch him go through his own. His shitty, own. He has oh, his own. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, the way this character carries this and kind of mirrors Michaela's role throughout um in some ways is it's fantastic i think he does a great job of um not stealing the spotlight but staying really present in um each episode it's just it's this show is all about questions and not necessarily answers and just watching him go through what he did and just be like was i what happened mm-hmm. who was wrong what should I do? Like, there's, it's just watching them ask questions, yeah. and it's fucking. It's crushing. so realistic. Like, have you ever? Oh, y- yeah. Have you ever talked about Anthony Starr before, Mike? Have I ever talked about Anthony <laughs> Starr before? I don't think specifically because every time I'm in a place where I would talk about Anthony Starr, who of course plays Homelander on the boys do you not have a platform to talk about homelander on the boys (laughs) every time i would try i'd get punched in the face by the host of that show who has decided it is a bad show because bad people are bad which i would argue is kind of the point of the show what anthony Starr does is he's just like this he he looks like what superman would look like right like he's this very handsome chiseled jaw guy blonde hair blue eyes you get why the world loves him and is just such, such a awful Nazi ass monster. And at no point that there's something about it, like because he isn't like a scenery chewer at no point are you like, this is a little much like it. It is all like scary evil. I'm not surprised that the boys is not in the elite eight, right? Like I don't think yeah, it belongs in the bracket, but I d- I'm so glad that Anthony Starr is here. I do think that he is uh, just punching way above his weight class on this show yeah 
He's I, I this kid who is older than all of us is gonna go far. And it is nice that we have the the chance to talk about the boys because it does seem like a very like it is a timely show, especially the way it, it talks about like you know you you love Nazis, you just don't love actual Nazis. Like you love everything about them except for the actual like part where you call them Nazis. That seems very timely for where America is right now. All right. Wait, why? What have I been missing? <laughs> Your nominees for Best Supporting Actor are as follows. And Greg, pay attention, because I'm going to you for the prediction. Uh-oh. It's, it's Nico Anon from P-Valley. Tony Dalton for Better Call Saul. David Diggs from The Good Lord Bird. Papa Esiadu from I May Destroy You. And Anthony Starr from The Boys. Greg, who's winning this? Tony Dalton, Ryan. He's the, like, the best part of the best show on television. Unfortunately, half the fucking show thinks that this is the worst show on television uh, so your winner is nico anon from p valley it's uncle clifford woo, taking woo, it yay! down that's woo. fun too though <laughs> <laughs> that's the attitude that feels very pop filter that's good movie of the year the podcast that's talked about p valley <laughs> when we come back we'll talk more about p valley in our segment about queen's gambit and the good lord bird <laughs> well that is very very funny or very sad and perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media you can go to instagram or twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies much like the last dance our number two seed is another pandemic phenomenon Within four weeks of The Queen's Gambit's release, it became the most watched Netflix show of all time, which could mean the most watched show of all time. In it, Anna Taylor-Joy plays Beth Harmon, a tough girl trying to grow up on the mean streets of the man-filled chess world. Beth battles sexism, addiction, and trauma to rise at the top of an arena usually filled with Russian dudes. It's going up against Aswa Tommy John Brown, who is here in the (laughs) name of King of Kings... (laughs) The Holy <laughs> Redeemer, the man of Trinity, because he is on the side of justice and you are on the side of change. The Good Lord Bird is a Showtime miniseries starring future Pop Filter Hall of Famer Ethan Hawke as John <laughs> Brown as we follow him through the weeks leading up to Harper's Ferry. Also, Killer Mike is in it, guys. Killer Mike plays Clarence, one of the members what? of the team. What? Cassie, I'll start with you. Is Ethan Hawke just doing an impression of me in this show? <laughs> every time he was on screen i was like this this ryan i had to do a double take every time and then it, it wasn't ryan but i could see like you guys being related in this one same so janky teeth same <laughs> janky teeth um i was like he ethan hawk surprised the hell out of me in this one because he is just the perfect amount of unhinged and feeling righteousness where like it's so entertaining to watch i love just, that hawk moment that people have of like oh this this guy oh my god He's amazing. Oh, he's such a good actor. <laughs> it, it seemed like, and as, as a longtime Hawk lover, uh, it did seem like, because he's one of the co-creators and co-writers of this, he went like, I'm sick of being handsome and charming in all my roles. Because even though he's a fairly good actor, they're all like, is he a legit handsome, charming guy or is he a dirtbag handsome, charming guy? Uh, and this he went, nope, I'm going to be wild. To me, it, to me, it seemed like uh, he was in that movie in, like, I think, 2018, First Reformed. Oh, and yeah. and he got to like touch some of the very like lower register that he got to mm-hmm. use in this show, and I think he was like, 
I want to just go bonkers in a role. I just want to go like, I want to be like screaming and raving. And this is the perfect role for that. Like no more like reserved, quiet, like roles, just like top of your lungs, shouting out your name (laughs) in your hometown and how you're going to kill everybody. And how your best friend's name is Onion. (laughs) Little Onion. Which we can all relate to. Charm. The first scene, he was spitting so much in that monologue, and I was oh, like, yeah. I don't know about this. And then afterwards, uh, every time he was on screen, I was like, I very much enjoy this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you imagine the director being like, oh, we cannot, somebody relight this. We cannot see Ethan Hawke spit enough. We need to see every driplet. Caitlin, earlier Greg said that uh, dramas are comedies and comedies are comedies. What was the thing that Greg said? Yeah, I basically, I did say that. I said <laughs> I said the dramas were very funny and the comedies were also funny. <laughs> Did, Caitlin, were you surprised by how funny the show was? I was blown away that I was laughing, especially com- like in the certain context that we were in and everything with this series and how serious it is and how scary it was, but also how I was laughing because this little boy who is now a girl who they named Onion was a good luck charm. So they're keeping around. Everything about this was really funny and I didn't, I didn't know if it was okay to laugh, but I was laughing. Um, <laughs> if, you yeah, watch, no, I, I if you watch really the series it. all the way through, you get to see 12 different reactions of Onion saying, actually, I'm a boy. And uh, <laughs> like 12 characters being like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> That's crazy. It seems like mostly the white characters can't tell. And many yes. of the black yeah. characters, yeah. as soon as they see him, are just like, what are you doing? Why are you dressed like <laughs> <Yeah>. a girl? <laughs> But I, I relate it because we've all had bosses that are charismatic and unhinged like Ethan Hawke. Some of us call him Ryan. And, <laughs> but for, when he first says, Onion, you're a girl, Onion's like, no, I'm a boy. And then he just keeps going. And yeah, he's no, like, doesn't care. okay, how many bosses have just called me Mark for the three years I've worked for them? <laughs> I'm like, I, I tried quietly to tell, okay. <laughs> also, I love the switch that he has. You know, like historical figures, uh, like they always like, they're always remembered for these speeches. But they also have this off switch where they talk like normal people, you know? And he could just be like, oh, yeah, no, what I would like for dinner is uh, beef stew. But if you don't bring me beef stew, like, (laughs) there's that on off switch. McKenna, it's going up against the Queen's Gambit, which I would say is a big phenomenon. Tell me about your thoughts. It's a big phenomenon. I will say I did enjoy The Queen's Gambit. I found myself really enjoying the drama that was unfolding, the characters. I think it's very difficult to make something like chess seem so intense Mm -hmm. and competitive. And they did it so well. Um, I think it relies heavily on the like hallucinations to make chess a little bit more intriguing the fact that the she's chess pieces on the ceiling lot. yeah that just yeah the way and then they morph together or they like you know the the little illusions that they're doing to kind of keep it intriguing and a little bit distance from normal ordinary chess which is a lot slower and a lot less intense um so i do think it, it's a great show it l- doesn't quite have the humor uh that the good lord bird does or the excitement in the same way but i i I really enjoyed The Queen's Gambit. I enjoyed the like intensity and the, the, I think the character growth and development is kind of what gets you through it as well. I got to say, I was a little surprised because I was very late to watching The Queen's Gambit. Like everyone else had watched it. And I was sort of surprised as to why it was such a phenomenon. And it's not the chess thing. It's the, it's sort of going back to Mrs. America, it's the whole, this is prestige. I can see that this is mm-hmm. well done. But man, I don't give a fuck about any of this shit. <laughs> S- similar to Mrs. America, uh, so The Queen's Gambit is based on a novel, 
But the way it's done, you're like, I believe that Beth Harmon was a real person. No, mm-hmm. she wasn't. It's she just was written mm-hmm. like it would yeah. be. Uh, I think it came at the right time in the pandemic. I don't want to take away the Queen's Gambit is a really, really good show. You're going to enjoy it. And Anna Taylor-Joy, I think, is going to be somebody to watch. She's going to be uh, one of the best actresses living at some point. But it's crazy that it's the number two seed, and it's a good show. And it's in a field of great shows on this list. It's one of the first. I think it deserves to be number two. Because it's one of those, I came in it there wanting to hate this show so bad, and then I got so sucked in, I ended up finishing it all in like one or two days. Um, and it's not the aspect of chess, I think, I don't think chess has really anything to do with it. I think it's the growth of the characters and how you see these these people who are so broken in the beginning and how they come together and it's like hopeful like that that they can do better and then they fail and then they do well and then so many things come at them and at the end just the ending really got me too but it was so good and i do just think it deserves to be number two i think every single drama on this list could be called there's a lot of broken characters coming together trying to fix themselves and failing (laughs) that's sort of what drama is that's just kind of the universal i think it was good but it was one of the first dramas that I watched, and as I watched the rest of these dramas, it's it's one of the weakest on this list. Mm-hmm. It does have this the side plot of look how weird young child actors look when they get older, and all the boys that are surrounded. <laughs> <laughs> to me, like what it seemed like was that sometimes it's hard to put protagonists on the spectrum and make them compelling. I think that a lot of shows struggle with that. There's a lot of stuff that you can do, but I think this show relied too much on drugs and addiction and drinking as opposed to what actually makes them tick, even though it might not be obvious just because they're on the spectrum. Where I dropped off was with supporting actress loser Mario Heller. Like when that relationship was gone, I was sort of out. Like that was that was mm-hmm. it to me. Like watching her and her mom sort of like become this partnership and then then she died and it was sort of like unceremonious. And then she was just gone for the rest of the show. That's when I sort of bailed. That was the dynamic that was the most intriguing to me because, like, the mom isn't a great example, but, like, she's there for her. And every time you weren't sure if she was going to use her for bad or good. I know. But in the end, she cared for mm-hmm. her. And that was, like, the most intriguing thing to be like, I don't think she loves her. And then, like, oh, no, she does in her weird own fucked up way. Yeah. She kept saying, like, how much money are you making? And I was like, oh. But then yeah. she, she's not a dude. So it was okay. Like, she actually was supportive. <laughs> and I, I do think it handles the how weird and hard it is for women at this time in America way more subtly than Mrs. America mm-hmm. does. Oh, yeah. yeah. For, for sure. sure. Mrs. America is just trying to get awards, man. Like, yeah. it, it's been kicked out of the bracket, so now we can talk shit. But, like, <laughs> that show was just trying to grab as many Emmys as possible. All right. This is it. It's the Queen's Gambit versus the Good Lord Bird. Mike, where are we going? The Good Lord Bird. Grigori? Good Lord Bird, Ryan. McKenna? Good Lord Bird. <laughs> Caitlin? The Queen's Gambit. Woo. Oh, saucy. Cassie? Uh, I love a lucky little onion. Good Lord Bird. <laughs> and the Good Lord Bird takes it. It's our first not clean sweep. Adding a ton to the drama of this show, I think. <laughs> I, said, I said I was coming for it. But the good Lord Bird does move on. The Queen's Gambit, probably too good. 
probably too good for this bracket and now is going to die. When we come back, we're going to give the, out the award for best actor for a TV drama. Cassie. Yeah. It's, it's best actor time. I asked you a question before. I'm going to ask it again. Your first nominee is Ethan Hawke, the good Lord Bird. Oh, my gosh. Isn't yeah, it just this me? One... Look at my He's... blue eyes. Look at my blue eyes. Look <laughs> at the wild way I say things. I'll move around all the time. Ryan, I want to know, is your love coming because you just see you on screen and it's just like, wow, look at what, I, what I'm doing right now and what I'm accomplishing. I'm always calling people onion. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a weird attribute to you, but now it makes more sense. I mean, it's, we've already talked about how amazing he is on it. And it's just his ability to toe the line between completely insane and watchable is like impressive to do because you can go way too over top with that where it is just over the top and you like roll your eyes at this character but you somehow root for this insane dude he's obviously on like the right cause but he is doing it in a wrong way and yet you're still like voting for him it's because he's so insane at the same time he's a cult leader right like Mm -hmm. he is leading his cult of soldiers to something that is they're they're definitely their death the first time that a cult has ever been good yeah, Colts are never cause. for good things. Well, that I think that's what makes the story so compelling is that he is born out in the end because it's like, yeah, well, slavery was awful, obviously, and and everybody who countenanced it was in the wrong. So he is definitely in the right, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't super crazy and like yeah. super violent, right? And and had a super like ass backward plan to just go seize something that he couldn't <laughs> even hold for like more than a day. Why I think this role is great is because for a long time everybody knows Ethan Hawke's an amazing actor, but like I don't know if I knew how fucking funny he could be, and his timing on stuff mm-hmm. is very good. Yeah, it's good. Yes. Go check out Reality Bites, Mike. I think you'll be very impressed. I've not seen timing. Reality Bites on the to watch list for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, Mike, I think that you were born in such a year where it's you're a year too late. So if you try to watch Reality Bites, it'll just be like no. You don't understand. I will not play this movie for you. <laughs> Caitlin, I would say that Ethan Hawke should probably be in supporting actor. Right? Like, he's actually not in that much of the show. Who is in a lot of the show, Caitlin, is Joshua Caleb Johnson, who plays Onion. He's nominated for Best Actor. I was blown away at how... He's like a child. He's like... I don't know how old he is, but he seems like he's 15, maybe, right? And he's 47. He's- He's fine. <laughs> it's just like Queen's Gambit. They just age him down. Uh, no, I think he did a really great job at this lead role um, in this and just being so young and carrying himself. And he did great playing both the little girl, Onion, and being the little boy. Um, captivating. I was rooting for him. Just didn't want anyone to hurt him or touch him or do anything wrong to him. He did great. I hope. I hope that he has, like, I hope that he is, like, uh, an adult lead soon. You know, like, yeah, he definitely yeah. has the chops. Mike, we've got another off-bracket nominee. <gasps> it's Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country. Look, Lovecraft Country was a show this group really definitely. liked and then all dropped off at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About four eps in. Uh, but Jonathan Majors is inarguably phenomenal. And and how much all we ever want is do two things at once. And how much he was like, you're the white knight hero, but there's some darkness in you uh, because his eye twitched a certain way. This guy is great and has nothing to do with his amazingly sexy arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does two things at once. Like, man, you're really carrying this scene. And also, you were just absolutely poured into that T-shirt. God, damn. <laughs> Look at that T-shirt. You really could see every ounce of him. Uh, if you need more of Jonathan Majors, please go see The Last House in San Francisco. Uh, 
An incredible performance by him. And depending on when you're listening to this, please go see Ant-Man Quantumania. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if you're listening to this three years in the future. Greg. Because you know who he is, Mike? Do you know who he is? King! You know who he is? He's Kang, motherfucker. Greg. Yo. Barely, barely getting nominated is Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. Wow. I'm really surprised. By that, um, I think probably he took a little bit of heat for his reading of My Little Women. Um, but if you remember, he didn't do that in Better Call Saul. He did that in the movie Little Women. So I don't think he should be counted against. He's amazing in this. Uh, if he's barely nominated, I guess he's not going to win. But I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. He's not going to win. <laughs> uh, but that's yeah, Better Call Saul. The best show, uh, Bob Odenkirk, the best performance of the year. But yeah, <laughs> apparently not everyone thinks that. I'm guessing the argument we're going to hear in a few minutes is like, well, bad people are bad. <laughs> so I don't think he should be a good actor. Actually, McKenna is going to solve all these problems because your final nominee is Pedro Pascal from The Mandalorian. God damn it, McKenna. Please explain how he is nominated for best actor. <laughs> Because Mandalorian is brilliant and it's very tough to carry a role where no one can With see the your helmet. face yeah. and still carry so much emotion in every movement, every sound of your voice. Like you feel for him, you your heart is breaking. You see the relation develop between Grogu and Mando, um, and that is all credit to Pedro Pascal's brilliant acting. While you cannot see his face, I gotta say, last week for TV comedy, um, Kaylee Cuoco, Alan Tudyk, Ron Funches, uh, they were all nominated for awards and i get that and i don't get this one what the fucking holy fuck like what the fuck i think they ryan it's because they're very good voice actors and he could be replaced by literally anybody oh, oh. Can, nobody Dang. can get their posture that straight okay that <laughs> is a talent. i don't understand how if he has like a rod down his back or something the way he stands up so it's, well Oh. The most fantastical thing about The Mandalorian is that you think that's Pedro Pascal for most of it. We're seeing a body it's double for 99%. <laughs> you can Do tell when it's him and you can tell when it's not him just by the way he carries himself. And I'm not lying on that one. <laughs> Do you know who it definitely was, though? It was definitely Timothy Oliphant. When it, yeah. He should be nominated for Best Morning Actor. The way he stood in that doorway, like his hips, his belt. Oh, God, that guy. That, that guy. Tiny, tiny. He knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. So we have Ethan Hawke, the Good Lord Bird, jo- Joshua and Caleb Johnson, the Good Lord Bird, Jonathan Majors, Lovecraft Country, Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul, and Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian. Cassie, who's going to win? Oh, it's going to be... I don't see how Ethan Hawke can't win. Your winner is Ethan Hawke. Of course it is. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Woo. I was afraid it'd be Pedro Pascal. <laughs> should we oh start, should we start shouting so out where we're from with, before we shout out our names? I'm H.B. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was his town for a lot of the show. Yeah, me <laughs> neither. Like a, a first name he didn't use. And when we come back, more of this. The granddaddy of the drama bracket. Better Call Saul finished its fifth season in 2020, bringing Jimmy McGill and Kim Wexler closer and closer to the edge and inching towards the complete transformation into Saul Goodman. It's the best show on television and should move on immediately. But first, I guess it should get a chance to fight a lowly six seed. Caitlin, I ask you this. A vote for The Mandalorian is a vote for support of the things Gina Carano has tweeted, yes? (laughs) 
you burnt. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Listen, she played a cop in it. You knew she was going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to stand with Pedro Pascal and, and Grogu. Um, and God, the show was really good. Okay. Uh, I really loved the first season, but then the second season just went and topped everything. And uh, yeah, let's let's actually start there, Caitlin. Yeah. Is the second season clearly, objectively, better than the first? Oh, a hundred percent. I would a hundred percent agree that it's it's better than the first season because the first season was just a growing. I think it was like building everything, and then here we just kind of went into it, and it was like, bam! Here's all these cool things every single episode until the last episode for sure. Until what the- oh. Wait, Mike, Mike, are you hating on the Mark Hamill appearance? No, that was awesome. Uh, but Giancarlo Esposito, I think we're learning the... I love him. I think he's great as Gus Fring, but I think we're learning the restrictions. At no point did he feel like a threat yeah, no. uh, in his physicality and his actions and his fight and his plan. Uh, his voice didn't seem threatening, which is well, weird. It, I, and I think like Star Wars I, heavily re- relies on voices. I think the big threat was... Uh, I know this rule about this sword that she can't take it unless she murders you. Because I or looked it up on Swordopedia. The five of us are friends, right? Take the sword. We're cool. You, you're the one who fought and killed him. Fuck off. Uh, yeah, all it, it was weird to be such a killer season and then have such a killer cameo that surprised us, and then just to fizzle out because the big bad never really mattered. Um, but all the characters acted like he did, but it didn't. He turned At out to be point, something of a phantom menace. Oh! Look, we all love the Mandalorian, and it is the best Star Wars thing to come out in thirty years. But I guess we can keep talking about the Mandalorian. That's no, yeah, fine. let's save that because, <laughs> Mike, you and I are about to again uh, end relationships in like seven minutes. <laughs> but for right now, McKenna, did this? McKenna went away. Did this? Uh, <laughs> did this season of Mandalorian feel like the best? I'm going to uh, step in for McKenna here. Like, it was for me, the first season, like, there was some episodes where, like, I wasn't as excited to watch it. And this season, like, I made it a priority. Like, I knew, like, when I came home that night, like, we were watching Mandalorian. We were going to bump the TV. And I don't know if it's just because, like, boom, we got more... Boom, 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 boom. We got more, like, plot heavy wah, to it. More. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just, it was so much better. And I was surprised because, like, at this point... You know what it is? It's the daddy aspect. You gotta always go back to the daddy aspect. The daddy oh, and man. badass Ahsoka Tano. Oh my god, we got introduced to Ahsoka Tano this season, and she's so fucking cool and has so many dark, mysterious things, and I want to learn all of them. Uh, okay. Uh, Cassie did, or let me ask Greg. Greg, let me ask you this. Did ask uh, better, me. This season of Better Calls All have Bill Burr? <laughs> Not that I remember, but Once, it did. It, it, yes. it did. It did. It did? Okay. No, it did. It did. He came back. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, hold on. I. I this is the first that time question. we saw Pedro's face was in the Bill Burr episode. I thought you were asking if Better Call Saul had Bill Burr in it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> but no, I, I'm now reminded that Bill Burr is a part of the Breaking Bad universe as well. <laughs> Bill Burr has taken over both of these shows. I think we have to mention something about The Mandalorian because it has one of the coolest plot points of, of all time. Uh, the Mandalorian is in uh, a, a like Imperial base and he has to open up a door, but there's a face scanner. And what this face scanner does is it scans to see if you have a face. 
And if you have a face, it'll open the door. They'll do whatever but you want. You have to, but if you're the Mandalorian, you have to take your helmet off for the face scanner, and they don't want to do that. That's like taking out their look, dick and balls. Your stinky ass face hasn't seen the light of day in who knows how many years. How awesome would it have been though if moment. it said like, if you're worried about showing your face? Just please put your dick and balls right on this screen. <laughs> you just have to prove that you he, have a dick and balls. He unzips his pants, and there's another little Mando helmet on the top uh, of his Mando! I mean, probably kind of there is, right? You have to imagine. <laughs> Look, I got to be honest. I, I didn't have any sort of uh, more required viewing as soon as possible until WandaVision started. Uh, yeah. Last year. <laughs> Then the Disney Mandalorian Plus was like, "Hey, remember how Friday nights can rule? Here's your TGIF, motherfuckers." And uh, it was in the fuck pandemic. So- I've said it for years. Yeah, no, and they proved me right. And we got to talk about each of these episodes every week. That was yes. awesome. That was awesome. The only thing that wasn't awesome is that if you didn't watch it in the exact first minute it came out, yes, spoilers yeah. were everywhere. And look, it comes out at 3 a.m. East Coast time. So if you wake up, don't go on Twitter or any of the normal websites you go on because even the WAPO will fucking spoil what happened in that episode. It counts as a spoiler. If you're like, you'll never believe Redacted shows up at the end of the episode, that's yeah, a spoiler. Right. Now I know that you that's, Redacted. Yeah. Can't, you can't stupid we just, dicks. as a society, wait a day? <laughs> yeah. Can't you wait at least a day? Let me have Unless, one day of work. Unless the whole fucking engineer the whole like architect of the star wars world is captain redacted and so it's not even a lie like redacted shows up at the end and just says i'm here to introduce myself he says it's a trap it's a, i it's am a <sighs> guys okay uh, just in case the vote goes the way i don't want it to uh mike what did better call saul do this season i mean it it's interesting because I think with comedies, we like what's flashy and new, but dramas, you want to live in and hang out with those characters more. And it just, like, just more depth, more nuance, more flaws, more highs and lows to Jimmy and Kim and everybody. And Nacho. Uh, it's Kim, the, though. The, I think the, the, the character is really Kim. cool to see. Yeah. Like, it's, it's watching her evolution because they've slow played it. They gave you little mm-hmm. peeks into her, but they really have slow played it. And now it's this. It's these late seasons where it really feels like it's starting to pay off. Right when well, pandemic no started, longer... right when pandemic started, I uh, I watched a one-on-one play, a two-hander. Yeah. Do you remember that, Mike? We watched I it. I do. We watched a play starring Paul F. Tompkins and Kim fucking Wexler. Hell and yeah. That's I mean, what else and do you need? And she was the that? we we love PFT here at the Pop Filter House, but Rhea Seahorn crushed that two-hander. Yes. She was the better by far. Uh and you know, a big part of it is that Kim is no longer shiny, right? She yeah. keeps like judging Jimmy, but getting down and dirty in Jimmy's world. Which we all knew was going to happen, but how it happened is incredible. Cassie, why do you hate the show? Yeah, yeah I can't. Cassie, like, no. There's no but, but people are bad, and I don't like to see that on TV. No, it's they can be bad. I I love a bad bitch. You know this about me, Mike. But like, <laughs> I can't. There, these are boring bad people. Like, yeah. there's no intrigue to me here. I don't know. Like, I don't see this like shine that you guys have to this show. Unbelievable. Like, I've tried, and it's just like, it's it's so boring to watch. I don't understand. And maybe it's because I haven't committed a season to it. But I I can't commit a season to it. I could barely do like two episodes of this. And like get through it. It's it's not intriguing. 
Wow. I don't want to say you're too immature for this show. That's but fair. I'm sorry that there aren't like space worms hunting people they and it's could, just adults dealing with their adult emotions. They could at least throw one in there, at least in the background. <laughs> <laughs> like if they want to come. Like, Look, you know what? No lie. I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just like. I think it's because it's playing off of another show, too. Like, there's just so much history that you need to know to go into it, I feel. That it's, like, it's almost like the bar is, like, you have to know so much lore to get into this shit. I don't know, though. I honestly, I feel like it does such a good job of walking the line between if you, I mean, you, you, that's your take on it. But it just seems to me, like, if you don't know about what these characters have done in the other show, it doesn't really matter that much, it would seem to me, because it, it, it doesn't, it's not constantly playing off. There are a lot of, like, references to the show, to, to Breaking mm-hmm. Bad, but I don't feel like it's, like, material to your understanding of what's going on. What a cool yeah. matchup, though, because it's two things where it's like, here's two of the most beloved franchises of all time. Go do your own story. And, you know, yeah. they, they, both these shows have to figure it out and not rely on that. Can I uh, ask you guys, this was its final season, right? Nope. One no, more. One more. One more? Okay. Yeah. All right. So you, But it is still keeping up with the steam of being constantly as good? Because this is the one. Oh, yeah. This is like the latest season we have in here. This, uh, this, is, this is the best season. It reminds me of uh, of the Crown in that I mean it's it's better it's a lot better than the Crown but the something that it has in common with the Crown is that it did a lot of early investments that are paying off now like it, it's more rewarding now five seasons in than it was the first season like they were so patient with it and they knew that it had legs and it has really developed into something that is like so exciting and interesting. Mm. Can I ask you, do you in the next season? Do you think they'll throw a space worm in it? I don't think there. I don't think there are going to be any space worms. Unfortunately, that would be awesome though. Like Tony Tony Dalton has said, uh, 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 we have a space worm, and that just takes over the entire game. But All they right, did I, introduce baby Walter White, who uh, Saul okay. carries around in a baby Bjorn, and that's pretty adorable. And, he, and his he's, mustache well, is huge. He's got like a Fisher Price heavy. kitchen, but he's cooking up like tiny yeah. little blue chips. That yeah. is amazing. Guys, I have to call a vote. Here we go. The end of all of our relationships. Caitlin, is it Mandalorian or Better Call Saul? Man, this is so hard for me. I wish this wasn't <laughs> where it was. Oh, Ryan, this pains me to do, but the Mandalorian obviously is fucking oh. better. <laughs> Cassie, where are we going? Yeah, I'm going to keep breaking your heart, Mandalorian. Ooh. Michael. Yeah, I'm going to go with the best piece of pop culture we've done in the last four weeks. It's Better Call Saul. <laughs> McKenna. Uh, I'm going to continue to break your heart and admit that this is a totally Ooh. biased vote on my personality. It's Mando. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> That's, it's obviously, it's Better Call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've got a vote. So it's three to three. And with the powers of being a host, Better Call Saul moves on. (laughs) Thanks, Kamala. The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is now known as the worst show on TV. When we come back. (laughs) When we come back, it's best actress time. It's now time for best actress. And I got to say, best actor left me wanting. I couldn't believe how there wasn't a ton of best actors. But is this a tough category? Greg, I'm starting with you. All right. it's Kate Blanchett. Yeah, it feels like it, if you said to me 
beginning of this year, Kate Blanchett's going to be on a show. I would say that's a slam dunk for best actress. But the show obviously left everybody a little lukewarm. And, you know, Phyllis Schlafly is like just a really deeply unlikable character. So she does, she does a really good job portraying that. But, um, I almost feel like we want to love Kate Blanchett when, in everything we see her in. And so it's a little bit of a disappointment that she's such a, you know, awful character in this. But this show was not- my dream finally coming true. And that was Kate Blanchett playing Tilda Swinton. <laughs> it's, it's just not that like Phyllis Schlafly is so unlikable and she nails it, but it's, there is nuance here. I know she's the opposite of all of us in every way, but the, her eye twitches and like lip quivers instead of like big, like she's yeah. constantly blanchetting all over the place throughout the show. <laughs> like her, her talent is, is inarguable here. She's fucking great. Well, she's nominated Mike. <laughs> so I know, but shut I the to fuck up. Her just cause you're like, well, we don't like Phyllis. She might've even won. Cassie, here we go. Cassie, you're doing it for the third time or fourth time tonight. Michaela Cole is nominated for I May Destroy You. Why is she nominated? Oh my gosh. Again, it's just her ability to like draw you in with her personality. I can't tell you, I don't know anything about her personally, or if like she might be this rad and maybe isn't having to play into this character, but I would love to hang out with her. Like as soon as she was on screen, I was like, I adore this person. And then to like see her have to be like the whole time you want to protect her and just like you're rooting for her. So to like just get back to you. Like you were so amazing. I know like you can do this. It's like she draws you in with every movement, like every look. It's insane her ability. <sighs> Caitlin, from P Valley, it's Brandy Evans, who plays Autumn Nights. No, Mercedes. 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 Oh my God, Mercedes! So when you meet her, she is basically commanding this whole uh, the whole club, and it's hers. And then the way that you see her character um, interact with her mom and have to deal with all of that, and it she does an amazing job at like switching these roles of like being the top bitch until being like, you know, having to deal with her mom and like all those issues there. And later in the season, she deals with her mom. Yeah. Her and her mom. (laughs) Right in the fucking face. I got, I got to say that her dealings with her mom was like, it really stretched the boundaries of what you want a show to do. But, (laughs) At that point, I was like, no, I'm in. P-Valley, show me Mercedes and her mom as much as possible. Her mom is fucking evil. Like, straight up uh, a Disney villain. Uh, (laughs) And she handles it. Uh, Mike. Yeah? You're talking about Lovecraft Country again. It's Journey Smollett. Okay, it's so... I guess it makes sense that we all poo-pooed the show in general, but the two leads... Uh, or a bunch of the acting, because the acting is what's best. And Journey Smollett has like floated around in our shows for a long time. I mean, ever since Friday Night Lights season five, we've been like, oh, this kid's going places. And this is like the encapsulation of that. Just such a powerful fucking encapsulation of everything, man. Journey Smollett rules. It's all about her running. She uh, like To watch her run away from a situation or towards a situation uh-huh. is so thrilling. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> her, her lemonade, that lemonade scene of her with the baseball bat hitting all of her white supremacist neighbor cars uh-huh. is just like, yes! While all of, her, all of her friends are like, please don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> They're McKenna. the cops. <laughs> but Kenna, there's one more actress that we have not talked about. Do you know who it is? I'm going to go with Anna Taylor-Joy. It's Anna Taylor-Joy. <laughs> 
this this should be obvious. We talked about how while maybe some of us didn't quite enjoy the Queen's Gambit as much as others, she is the breakout of the show. She's probably one of the breakout stars of 2020 in like knownness or more people getting attention getting like getting to know her um she absolutely shines in very subtle ways of this character and i think the way she plays the ages like this kind of youthful arrogance and um immaturity when she loses for the first time role to growing into more of a young woman she carries all of the moments of this character very well i gotta say it's all in her eyes but she was gifted (laughs) With a couple of eyes. Those are, she's got the biggest, most awesome eyes out of all these people. I would, I would push my chips in, in her becoming like maybe not a street level, but like a Amy Adams level mm-hmm. amount of nominations in her career. Like she is. But who will oh, never yeah. do a hillbilly elegy type. She movie. will never do that. That's what you think. That's what you think. <laughs> we all thought that about Amy Adams. All right. Your nominees are Kate Blanchett from Mrs. America. Michaela Cole from I May Destroy You. Brandy Evans from P-Valley, Journey Smollett from Lovecraft Country, and Anna Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit. We're going to Greg. Obviously, Greg, this down? I May Destroy You, Michaela Cole. Come on. I, I would be shocked if it, it was anybody else, and I would but storm out of the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's not just to not make Greg storm out of the show, but I did the numbers for all the voting, and this was such a... And this is not to talk shit on the rest of the nominees, but this yeah. was such a destructive takedown. Michaela Cole is best actress of the year for sure. Woo! Well, she called it. She Babe Ruthed and pointed. I may destroy you. We thought that was just the title of the show. She was talking to all her fellow nominees. Guys, four shows are done. We have four shows left. When we come back, we're going to see which of those four shows will be your best TV drama of 2020. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! This is it, the final four. And Cassie, I'm going to ask you, what the fuck would P-Valley have to do in order to beat I May Destroy You? Like, we have talked so much tonight about how great P-Valley is. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, a phrase that I hate, it gives 110%. Can it, is there even a chance, is there any way that a dirty Mississippi soap opera can beat I May Destroy You? If there's any show on this bracket, I'm putting my chips on that it's this one that can do it, just because of the amount of, like, it was in, so intriguing to watch. There was no way, like, it drew you in, and it, like Greg said, like, you couldn't walk away from it. Like, if you tried to do, I didn't even attempt to do something else, you were a brave man, but, like, 
it, there's no way to walk away from this one. There's just too many interesting characters. It's got so much heart in these like people who are like given like a low card in life and are trying to do what they can and talented as hell. Unlike I may destroy you. Because remember, if you say something good about one show, you're saying something terrible mm. about the other show. So true. Yeah. My, uh, the, I'm, I'm glad that we like, have talk. had a, a chance to <laughs> talk about P-Valley as much uh, as we have. And I feel like... Final it, Four, it, baby. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And so like... 13th I mean, seat. And yeah, it's totally it's totally worthy of it. It's a it's the best show probably on stars that I've seen. Uh, but put some respect in your mouth. I think stars also gave us party down. Okay, that's true. And I think all the Spartacus shows, right? Oh yeah, Spartacus. Yeah, man, those Blood shows. Of Thunder. Those shows were, were just booby <laughs> shows. That was just <laughs> that was just shows for the boobies. And. P Valley, I could see somebody assuming that it's that way, but it's not. It's it, it's so deep and so interesting. It does feel like they're like, we'll give them the tits to make them think that's what they're there for, and then we're gonna punch them the stomach with hard hitting character drama. <laughs> the to me, the most interesting thing is the Uncle Curtis character, Clifford, and just how Clifford. the, the Clifford. Clifford, excuse me, yeah, and how the show is just um, queer in a way that isn't like, hey, look how we're being queer. Isn't that interesting? It's queer more in a realistic way, which is that just like folks are. <laughs> so and and like I I I find that very real and very interesting and very true. Um, and that's I'm glad that we got a chance to see a show that was like that while still being sort of titillating and dramatic and a soap opera. And for being dumb lefty coastal elites to be like, oh, they could you could be that queer in the south cool like i didn't i didn't i didn't know that but there yeah, is that whole cool. thing there is that whole subtext of the of the like not wanting to actually have a relationship because mm-hmm. it is hard you know where can we go that whole scene where they talk about like where would we even have a relationship so it is yeah. still kind of you know hard in mississippi it is but it was cool it was nice to have that not be like her main drama like you would assume in that like everyone accepts her even like the as soon as that cop came on screen i was like hey, yeah some shitty comments and there was no shitty comment i was like hell yeah this that is cop that cop is a dirtbag piece of shit like a corrupt oh, asshole yeah. <laughs> but not not because uncle clifford looks the way that she does you know yeah that, that was nice to see they're basically co-workers yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he respects her and yeah it's a living. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to a strip club that was dry, that had no alcohol, but I can only imagine that that's <sighs> They're not... They're so rough to be in, man. That's the true challenge. <laughs> the only time I've ever had an old O'Doul's in my life. All right, guys. <laughs> it's time to vote. It is I May Destroy You versus P-Valley. Uh, P-Valley, man, I'm pulling for you, but fuck. I don't know what to tell you. Caitlin, let's go. Oh, I'm going for P-Valley. P-Valley has a vote, Cassie. <laughs> I love Caitlin. I love that she's on the show. She's very real. She's very true to herself, man. <laughs> there is... It's so hard, because I May Destroy You is, like, such a good... Ah, fuck, it's I May it's, Destroy You. <laughs> it's not so hard, yeah. <laughs> Mike? Everybody should go watch P-Valley. Yeah. It's I May Destroy You. McKenna? I think if P-Valley was going against something else, it could move farther in this bracket. But because it's up against I May Destroy You, it's not going on It's I May Destroy You. And Greg. If it weren't for this show, I wouldn't have seen P-Valley, and that's so cool. But it's not even close. I will destroy you. 
Your next matchup in the final four. Oh, I may destroy you moves on. <laughs> the person that the nope, they're not people, guys. They're not our friends. They're just TV shows. The TV show that is gonna go up against it is either the good Lord Bird or Better Call Saul. Greg, let's start Ooh, with you. Spicy. I love the Good Lord Bird. It is a very interesting uh, story, and I think that it's cool that like it's just a mini series. Like I don't think this is season one of a show. This was just this is all of it. It's seven episodes. Enjoy it. Uh, but Better Call Saul has been really building something over the years, and it is starting to finally approach like its destiny, and that's so exciting as somebody who's a, a big fan of it. One of Better Call Saul's subplots, you have to only you have to watch every year and remember only the beginning episode of each season. Because if you want the post Breaking Bad subplot, <laughs> that you're going to get ten minutes a season. He works at Cinnabon. He got what locked outside. <laughs> My whole thing this year for TV comedy and drama was that uh, the the two best shows start with the first the same first word, and that's better. Better things are better call Saul. And mm-hmm. I swear to God, Cassie, even though we agree on everything else ever, uh-huh. if a show starts with better, that means that I love it and you hate it. What is up with that? <laughs> what, what was your final qu- Like, what's up with that? Yeah, what's up? That, that's my question. I'm the host, and that's Hard my question. What's up with that? Question. What's up with that? Do you Listen, think it's just I- kind of a minor coincidence? No, it's, it's because Ryan thinks <laughs> things can be better, and Cassie does not. <laughs> it's because I think Ryan gets brainwashed too easily, and as soon as he sees better in there, it's like it's automatically better. And it's oh, not the true, show Ryan. is better. It's, <laughs> like, sometimes it's not better. Sometimes it's subpar and boring to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I okay, must so say about is... drama is like there's an aspect of it that it has to be compelling. The story has to be compelling. I want to know more about the characters. The Good Lord Board has that. Better Call Saul, not so much. Better what, Call Saul be- is the best shot. TV show in the history of TV shows, the best lit, the best shot TV show ever. It's black like, and we, white. It always goes black and white. Why? Why? It doesn't always see it. That's, that, the that's, that's, that's the future. That's your shitty ass box TV, line. bro. That's just a plot line. <laughs> it's it's crazy to watch Jimmy McGill and Kim and not be compelled by them. Man, that's bananas. It's a it, what, it, it's called competency porn. And what we get to do is we watch Jonathan Banks and Tony Dalton and uh, Jimmy McGill and Kim Wexler, like. Uh, there's some scenes where they're just moving boxes, like yeah. just boxes of files, and they do it so well, and it's so intriguing and engaging that if you it's, don't like it, you must be a I stupid dumbass. I feel dumb. like Better Call Saul does some sort of catharsis, like cathartic Aristotelian idea for like people who want to be shitty but can't in real life, and they live it out through oh, those characters. Honey, That's- we're shitty in real life. <laughs> That's all of TV drama. Like, why do you think that we love The Last Dance so much? It's because we I got mean, to watch Michael Jordan. It's not about shitty people. It's about like bad, like not great people, not perfect people. They're flawed. But the Good Lord Bird is though. It's about uh, John Brown and. Uh, but you get uh, Onion. Onion. Yes, and but you're Onion told, is you're just looking a- at the story through Onion's perspective. But uh. Onion also doesn't like everybody. Like people who run into Onion are constantly telling Onion how they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could argue that Onion is a kid and he's always scared, but Onion fucks over people. Through his fear and not making decisions, mm-hmm. but, but that's a flaw that drama <laughs> of a child learning. Sure, in a shitty but I'm arguing that's shitty, and like bird sons are shitty. 
Especially the one who looks like yeah. Doc Holliday. <laughs> and you get action in that one. I don't got to watch people move boxes for 10 goddamn minutes and fall asleep. There's action that. in Better Call Saul, man. You don't have a show with Mike and not have action. I don't mean me, Mike, though I do also bring the action. <laughs> but also, Good Lord Bird has Killer Mike. So Yeah. That's true. Mike's rule. Yeah, dude. We can all agree. Yeah. I think people forever have been talking about how great mics are. Really, just so many good mics. All right. Uh, this feels like another relationship breaker, but here we go. Greg, we're starting with you. Good Lord Bird or Better Call Saul? The question at the center of Better Call Saul has always been, what happens to Kim Wexler? Where does she go yeah. between the, this show and Breaking Bad? And we are finally going to get the answer next season, and I'm so excited. This season was awesome as well. We are lucky to have something like this on TV. Better Call Saul. Obviously, Ryan. Let's move on. It's. I, I agree that we should, uh, Greg. It's uh, one of the best things in the history of pop culture. But I'll just do one for Better Carl Saul. But can yeah. I? Uh, I'm going to go with the Good Lord Bird. Okay. It has Ethan Hawke, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mike? To, to watch the downfall of Kim and Jimmy. Kimmy, uh, as I like to saw. And nice. then simultaneously on the other side of the legal road i don't know to watch nacho try to become a better person mm. in his own world is is to be bored by that is crazy i think michael mandel is is one of the most underrated actors out there right now. should have been nominated for best supporting actor mike if we just had more <laughs> better call Saul supporters here I, I believe on my i believe on my bracket he was number one uh but yeah I, he's the mondo in my heart and it's got to be better call Saul. oh my god if i have to at, give myself another vote just to push this through that's <laughs> This is going to be. It feels wrong. Man. There's something wrong with the parliamentary system. <laughs> when Cassie, democracy fails, what can you do? <laughs> Cassie, it's Good Lord Bird or Podcast. Better Call Saul, and it would really help me out if you voted for Better Call Saul. <laughs> Wouldn't it though? Except for it's a subpar show. Cassie, Cassie, look at you. Cassie, look at your Venmo. Uh, and how okay. do you vote now? Uh, I you requested five dollars from me. <laughs> she, yeah, I bought us lunch last week. <laughs> it is. It's obviously good, Lord Bird. Caitlin. Hey. <laughs> good oh, Lord vote. Bird or Better Call Saul? <laughs> it's High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Good Lord Bird. And I vote for Better Call Saul, which is a tie, which means Better Call Saul moves on to the final. Even, even that's the way I want it to go, but it still seems fucked up to have oh, yeah, it. But I'm the host here. Uh, Get ready for this break. one more time. <laughs> Actually, we're not taking a break. Here we go. Just go right Guys, into it, Ryan. It's Better Call Saul versus I May Destroy You. Now, we know that the three girls hate Better Call Saul. And we know that the three boys <laughs> love I May Destroy You. So this can go anywhere. But Cassie, what is this battle to you? How like, absurd. Absurd that it's made it this far. It like, shouldn't have no, made it this far. Your, your vote's going to count this time. Your vote's going to count this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dominion has nothing to do with these votes. I think it, it's it's beautiful. It's Both of these shows are... Look at, they're very funny dramas. They are drama that know you need enough comedy to pull us through these really hard to watch moments. And that is, it's difficult to watch Jimmy and Arabella sometimes make the decisions they are making, but it is, regardless what half the show thinks, so compelling to watch them both do it. 
I think that ultimately when it's a close one, like this is for me, maybe not some of the people, but this is for me. Uh, <laughs> you sort of do have to like go to Otsawur theory, you know, like a mm-hmm. conversation that I'm so tired of having, but Michaela Cole's Otsawur theory, like how this is just her fucking show. You can't say that about Odenkirk or Vince Gilligan right. or Breaking Bad or Brian Cranston. Like that ultimately is a show about a lot of stuff that is great and people should love it. But Mika- it's, what it Michaela Cole d- did was like singular. Yeah. Michaela Cole could star in Nobody, everybody's favorite movie coming out in a couple weeks. Bob Odenkirk cannot star and I may destroy you. If you guys don't know what nobody is, it's what if Bob Odenkirk was John Wick and it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know still the- still in the even in the preview, always saying, Little women, where's my little women? <laughs> the uh what might kind of like lean it in one way for me is that I may destroy you. It seems like such an important show. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of remember unbelievable from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I remember yeah. the sort of the, the central idea oh. in unbelievable was that like, you don't really know how victims act. And so don't like expect victims to act a certain way because we don't really know what that looks like. And then we always treat victims weird because we don't think that they're acting the way they should. And I think that she, this year with I May Destroy You shines a bright light on the fact that like it, victims have a whole multitude of ways they express what has happened to them and you can't pigeonhole them and it it also doesn't exonerate them completely or dismiss anything they ever might be guilty of doing and it, it's got such a complex view of a very complex issue it just feels like that might sort of like lean it in that direction versus better call Saul, a show in its fifth season doing like you know great but kind of just like standard work you will be forever changed after you watch (laughs) you'll be forever changed (laughs) after you watch i may destroy you like whether you're uh whether you believe women or you for some reason adamantly don't i think that you are will, will be forever changed after watching this show it would be weird for that kind of person to watch I May Destroy yeah. I know, and that's right? a, that's the right. problem. It's just nonstop preaching to the choir. And that's that sucks. kind of person watches it, they're like, oh, a show about a villain. Okay. Alright. Uh, I hate this person I invented. I just invented a new round of this game, so let's get this done. Mike, I May Destroy You or Better Call Saul. You invented that? Oh, it's uh th- this is difficult, but it's also very quick. It's I May Destroy You. McKenna? Oh I uh, probably the best show I've watched in a while. It's I May Destroy You. Greg? Yeah, it's not a slam dunk, but I, I think there is daylight between the two. I may destroy you. Caitlin? I may destroy you. And Cassie? Oh, thank God. I may destroy you. All right. Clean sweep. So, for the final round, this is it. For all of Moody Booty, which is best of the year. Obviously. The five of you, the six of us, have to decide. Fiona Apple, what we do in the shadows or I May Destroy You, what is the singular Pop Filter 2020 piece of art? Mike, we're going to start with you. Am I allowed to talk this out? Or oh, yeah. We, no, we can all talk it out. Go ahead. It's, it, it's, it's, it's so Fiona captures one. None of us know how to talk about music, but she captures like the <laughs> desperation and fight uh, of 2020. What We Do in the Shadows captures the goddamn can't we think about anything else that isn't 2020. And I May Destroy You kind of walks the line between those things is uh, things are tragic and awful, but they can also be funny and real. 
somebody else talk, I don't want to have to make a decision. Right For me, now. it's the like... same. It's the same answer as with Better Call Saul. It's not that it's like a, a slam dunk, but it's clearly I may destroy you. I, I do think it's I may destroy you because it, what you were expressing, Mike, it synthesizes the humor, the reality. It, it brings it all together and encapsulates. 2020 oh, man like, i made a good point yeah but, so, it, it does all the work in one show so that i think it... that fiona does too i would say that what we do in the shadows is probably out on this but oh, i no, think that uh, what? <laughs> some people like to have fun in life and like this to watch just... good fun shows no no, no this, i'm just i'm responding to mckenna right now i'm saying that fiona and michaela do that i'm leaning towards fiona yeah, fiona has a lot of like wordplay sometimes to the point that like can make you roll your eyes if you take that phrase in a vacuum. Also, part of it, too, is I think it's hard to not vote for the thing that got you through 2020. Which of these three yeah. things was like, oh, thank you for the slide. Caitlin, where are you, yes. where are you leading here? Oh, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm definitely going for what we do in the shadows because it's, it's what I needed. I needed some lighthearted, fun comedy, and it's so fun. And everything was new. God they had damn so it. many... <laughs> They had so many fun uh, cameos that came on there. Mark Hamill was there, and best Mark Hamill of the season. Unfortunately, season, I mean year. Unfortunately, I never saw the superb owl, but it was still a very good season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it just, it, it's obviously going to be a, what we do in the shadows for me. This is going to be a close one, Cassie. Where are you leaning? Yeah, same. Like, comedy always gets shafted. Like, it doesn't seem as highbrow. Like, it's not as artsy, but it's still, it has a place. And it just because it's comedy doesn't mean it should, like, it shouldn't be a part of, like, the conversation. And it, sometimes a good comedy fucking knocks it out of the park, and it can be your hero of 2020. And that's what, what we do in the shadow was for me. All right, Mike. Vote now. Fiona Apple. I may destroy you. Or what we do in the shadows. I... Agree that comedy gets the short shrift too often. I've been I've been beating that drum for a long, long time, but I don't think this com- I best comedy of the year not good enough to outweigh what the other two things are doing. I'm uh, Fiona Apple, fetch the bolt cutters. I am gonna go next, and I'm gonna say Fiona Apple, fetch the bolt cutters. That is the art of the year. McKenna, you're up. Uh, I, I do agree that What We Do in Shadows was the show I needed during 2020, but I May Destroy You is a show that feels 2020 and reflects 2020 better. Um, so tw- I May Destroy You gets my vote. It's going to be a three-way tie. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be two to two to two. <laughs> Greg, you're going to vote for I May Destroy You? I am. It asked the most important questions of like any show that I've seen for years. I mean, it, it, it's just... It's, it, what it says is less important than the questions that it asks. And Cassie and Caitlin, you're both doing what we do in the shadows? Hell fucking yeah. Yeah, simple minds over here. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Your pop filter 2020 entertainment of the year is Better Call Saul. <laughs> I get the last vote, motherfuckers. I'll change my new I may destroy you. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Thank you so much to the Taste Buds. I will see you guys next week on Movie of the Year when we go through the top movie of 2020. Thank you so much to the Unnatural 20s for uh, maybe not talk about Unnatural 21s. Are we doing that? Can we talk about 2021 now? Yeah. Do do I misunderstand the title of the podcast? No, you got it. I can tell you listen to every episode. Thank you. (laughs) I always love love talking to a fan. That's all all I can do. Uh, I have listened to one episode, and I loved it a lot. (laughs) for I was on for Mike for Greg for McKenna for Cassie for Caitlin I am Ryan thank you so much for listening 2020 go fucking fuck yourself 
Next week, more about 2020. <laughs> See you later.